Hello, and welcome to Shadow of the Past, a side project of the Card Game Cooperative podcast, where we take a bit of time to look at individual scenarios from across the co-op LCGs created by Fantasy Flight Games. My name is Michael, and join me today is James. Hi, James. Hello. How are you doing? I am utterly exhausted. My son was five on Friday, and I got back from his birthday party about an hour and a half ago. Um, it was remarkably successful. There were few tears and no vomiting, which I think uh, counts as a win for a fifth birthday party at a soft play. Uh, but very tired now. Sounds very impressive, yeah. I'll be having my first experience of a child's birthday within the next couple of weeks or so. Finn is already coming up on a year, so that's mad. And uh, wow. kind of explains a bit why I think I was looking back and it's been nearly, maybe even over six months since the last Shadow of the Past. So, uh, yeah, we're Hopefully picking this up again and it'll become a bit more regular and predictable again. So there we are. Um, James, do you want to introduce the scenario we'll be discussing today then? Sure. So it is a Lord of the Rings scenario uh, and it is Escape from Mount Graham, which I believe is the second of the Angmar Awaken cycle uh, coming after the Lost Realm deluxe box. Yeah, one that we've uh, mentioned a few times on the cast but um i guess before we start talking about it and uh we'll set up a spoiler warning but before that as well do you want to give a bit of spoiler free advice slash out of context advice for people listening sure i'm gonna say gray wanderer good bond of friendship bad yes <laughs> i could follow that and agree with that there we are so here is your official spoiler warning i know this scenario is fair few years old now as are most of these that we talk about but there are people that are new to the game and haven't played it yet so if you don't want to hear any more come back to this episode later all right let's get into it then there's a few cards i think can summarize the kind of outline of the scenario in general um do you want to yes yeah, so, well, so i yeah, think probably be, before we get into cards i think we probably need to explain uh explain some some rules for this one so uh this this scenario introduces a new keyword called capture uh, and you need to uh, need to set up a captured deck so bit of context the the previous scenario ends with the the heroes being uh surrounded and ambushed by goblins and all taken prisoner um, so this is a it's a prison break scenario and it says, to prepare a captured deck, remove all allies, item attachments, mount attachments, and artifact attachments from the player deck and shuffle them together. This makes me wonder whether we have any artifacts that are not items. This pile is now referred to as your captured deck. Captured deck doesn't have its own discard pile. Any cards discarded from it place in its owner's discard pile. After preparing his or her captured deck, each player chooses only one hero to be his or her starting hero. Then each player randomly sets aside one of his or her other heroes face down, shuffle any remaining heroes into the capture decks, place each face down set aside hero on top of its owner's deck. So you have one hero, no allies, no items, no mounts, and no artifacts. Uh, and then we have the capture X keyword. Capture is a new keyword in Escape from Mount Graham that represents locations or enemies that guard one or more captured cards. When an encounter card or quest card with the capture X keyword enters play, before resolving its when revealed, take the top X cards of your capture deck and capture them by placing them face down underneath that card. So, essentially, all your stuff 
and your allies is often another deck and various encounter cards coming into play are going to capture those cards uh, and it explains that when that card leaves play uh, you yeah you regain those cards that were previously captured so explore the location defeat the enemy put that card in your hand if it's a hero immediately put it into play yep and that impacts 90 percent of the cards in this scenario that capture mechanic is the whole spiel of the scenario so uh yeah do you want to go ahead i think we've assigned the um, Stage one has a lot of setup text, which we're not going to read all through. I think we're going to skip straight into stage two, because that's kind of like where you start actually playing the scenario. Yeah, I think the only thing you need to know from stage one is that each player is in a separate staging area. So you're in your own game area and you cannot interact with other players alone. And without your equipment, you steal yourself and begin to search for your companions and belongings. Capture seven. So you've got seven cards face down underneath the, uh, the stage itself. When revealed, search the encounter deck for a copy of Prison Cell, reveal it and add it to your staging area. Then capture an additional two cards from the top of your capture deck underneath that copy of Prison Cell. And side 2B says, anytime players would place, place progress tokens on this quest, rescue an equal number of capture, captured cards at random from underneath it instead. Uh, progress placed on the location first. Forced if there are no capture cards underneath the dungeon, join another player at the beginning of the travel phase. If you cannot, everyone advances to stage three together. So as you say, everyone's got their own copy of stage 2B. Yep. They've got seven of their precious cards from their uh, capture deck that's been claimed under this, which will always have at least one hero, because you put your hero on the top of your capture deck and then this is the first thing that captures any cards from your capture deck. So, Assuming uh, you have more than one hero in your deck. Yes. <laughs> uh, so given we've got this copy of Prison Cell, which has got extra cards underneath it, do you want to read Prison Cell? Yeah, and then that'll be, I think, the full setup. So Prison Cell is a location with one threat and three quest points. It's got the underground trait capture one um, and the text response after the players travel to prison cell look at the captured cards underneath it and choose one to put in play at no cost place the other captured cards back underneath prison cell so yeah um, throughout the rest of the scenario there's a few copies of this and it'll come up and it'll just capture one card and then when you travel to it you'll get to you know, take that one card. Um, but at the very beginning of the scenario, it's got those extra ones from the setup text. So you've got, a, you'll be guaranteed that you'll be able to, you know, kind of pick between those several cards for the best one. Yeah. So ideally, you're looking to hit a five cost ally or something like this when you uh, when you travel to the prison cell, get uh, get that that booster power early on. Yeah. There's a. Nothing worse than like it just having like three attachments under it that all have some kind of condition that you haven't yet met. Like they need to be attached to the heroes that are bit, have been captured or something like that. Um. <laughs> or even just belong to a sphere that you don't currently have a hero of. Yes, that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> so I think for giving a bit more of an outline of the cards that can come up throughout the scenario itself, because as you can see from this first stage, you're trying to rebuild your deck and you're trying to, well, re yeah recapture all of the captured cards rescue 
yeah, that's a better word, isn't it? Rescue. As I said, it I knew it was wrong. Um, <laughs> and uh, trying to complete that stage, which has seven cards under it. Um, do you want to read out one of the enemies from the scenario? I think we picked the Goblin Tormentor could sure. kind of represent the enemies of this scenario. Yeah, so the Goblin Tormentor, he's got two threat. He's got X attack, where X is the number of cards in play with one or more captured cards underneath them. Um, he's got one defense, three hit points, and capture one. Here's a goblin and orc, and he's going to engage you on a threat of 28. Uh, he also has a shadow effect. He get attacking enemy gets plus one, plus two instead if it has no captured cards underneath it. So w one thing you'll notice with this uh, with this quest is that generally the enemies and the locations have low numbers in terms of their stats compared with kind of what had become standard by uh, by the Angmar Awakened cycle. You know, this is this is a point we were expecting to see kind of fours and fives everywhere on on enemies and, and you you may indeed see orcs with those sorts of numbers later on. Uh, but yeah, the the, the Mount Graham set itself there they're a bit smaller than normal. Which looks really nice until you remember that you've only got one hero and none of your stuff. Yeah, that those kind of numbers so that the that goblin tormentor enemy is probably going to have about one or two attack that's an amount that you can generally take undefended I and mean, i think he's he's, he's going to have at least two isn't he because he comes out with a card and the quest has a card yes that's a good point yeah so i've, I've barring, probably played that wrong <laughs> barring weird shenanigans i think in stage one he's always going to have in stage two he's always going to have a, a two but yeah two is two is not five He's not he's not instantly yes. one shotting any hero who isn't bail on. And then if you've got a decent hero to attack back who maybe has an, an attachment on them or an event to support them, you can imagine killing him in one with that hero on its own. So you know, as a one off if you haven't really got any setup, you can see you can deal with maybe one of these enemies. You couldn't do that every single turn, you know, take an undefended attack and attack back. But they're small enough guys that you could deal with it with literally only one hero on the board, maybe once, maybe twice. Um, but yeah, you want to get a bit of a setup to be able to push past them and make progress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tactics Aragorn, who obviously came with the, the Lost Run box, he can one-shot this guy without an attachment, which is quite nice, because nice. he nullifies yeah. the defence. And then, do you want me to read out the last card we set aside sure. this? Yeah, so this is a treachery card called Captives of Gornach. It has the ability, when revealed, each player chooses one of his allies and captures it underneath the encounter card with the highest threat. Oof, that's annoying if you've only got like your one hero and your one ally, you're right at the start. But, um, yeah, that's one of the few mechanics in the scenario that can end up capturing more cards on to encounter cards that have already been revealed earlier. Yeah, I mean, this... This card itself, if you if you keep reading, has uh, has another example of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so good point. It's got a shadow ability as well. So uh, shadow, if this attack would damage an ally, capture that ally underneath the attacking enemy instead. So that would be the attack would resolve because you end up taking that damage. No, if it would damage an ally. So does that mean it's an undefended attack as well as capturing the ally? Oh. I'd assume not as it was as it was instead of dealing damage. 
So I, I figured that meant yep. that there, there was no damage for this cool. attack because the damage has been replaced by your ally clearing off. I'm sure, yeah, the point you're making is it's another thing that captures, but I just always get terrified by any shadow effects that can just delete the ally before yeah. the attack starts. That's, yeah, horrible. But yeah, I think that kind of gives us the general outline and shell of the scenario. Is there a kind of any specific strategies within that that you're kind of looking to approach to deal with this? Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, playing playing back through this... Uh, playing back through this a few times in, in preparation for this recording, it's it's an interesting one because, as we say, compared with where the game was generally at this point, the numbers are quite low. So you don't need necessarily your your superpower decks and your turn one mega combos, um, but you need to think really carefully about sphere matches and attachments that only go on certain characters or you know anything where you're looking for a, a multi-piece combo that question of you know how many of the cards you're going to get do you generally try and edit your player deck before the scenario so that it's got more cards that will go in that capture deck or less cards do you have a kind of split that you're aiming for not necessarily i, th I, like, I think it depends a lot on you know what what are your key cards to win mm -hmm. you know, there's you, know, you can potentially go for the, you know, I'm going to have very few cards, you know, I'm going to take very few items, allies, and mounts, and that way I get my other two heroes back yeah. really quickly. Um, but equally, I think you could say, right, you know, I'm going to go with, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with one really powerful hero, and I've got maybe a couple of cards that, that make that hero amazing which aren't items so, you know say if it's Glorfindel and like a Valinor or kind of any hero with Strider Strider is a really good card for this mm -hmm. this quest because yeah if you can get that early on it's a one cost neutral attachment so any of your heroes can play it and it's going to give you plus two willpower and not exhausting for the quest so at that point actually having a really big capture deck can be quite good to to, you know to make it really likely that you see that that card early on because um, i think i think you, you do need um you do need some some action compression in the first couple of rounds because you've essentially got to quest and be ready to fight but all with a single character on turn mm. one yeah i think well i think the majority of the enemies it's very i think it's quite likely that the enemies won't engage you in the first couple of rounds but then you can very easily, even though you're on your own, get location slash enemy locked if you're not addressing yeah. the things up in the staging area. So sometimes I'm not too afraid with my single hero at the beginning of the game with just questing with them and acknowledging there'll be an enemy in the staging area I'm going to have to leave up there. But uh, it's still not a guarantee that they won't come down and engage you. I think there's some like treacheries that can make them engage you. Yeah, that, yeah I mean, there's... <laughs> You've, you've got a couple of things that do that there so i mean there's a there's a treachery which both has doomed three and gives all the enemies minus 10 engagement cost and plus yeah, minus 10 engagement cost and plus one attack so that can suddenly yeah you know if, if, if you're sitting at say 15 and you're thinking great i'm not engaging this i'm fine 
there's one of these goblin tormentors in the staging area. Suddenly your threat's 18 and he's now engaging on an 18 instead of a 28. And you've yeah. gone from something that looks like it's 13 threat away to in your face. Yeah, and that actually kind of comes up on a fair few cards having such a massive threat increase. Yeah, I think even at this time, Doomed 3 is quite chunky, but I think it balances out because you are starting with such a low threat. That's part of the setup on that first card. Your threat is equal, your threat level is equal to the threat cost of just that one hero you've got in play. The other two that got shuffled into the capture deck don't add to your threat level at the start. So, no. And it's got some other setup at the beginning. Yeah, I actually, I actually quite like the setup of this scenario as a kind of a prison break scenario uh, in comparison to, I think, the other main one that most people will be familiar with is uh, Dol Guldur, which is you're rescuing someone who's imprisoned in Dol Guldur. I, there's kind of... That captures just one hero from the whole table and doesn't kind of give any way of balancing that out. And it's not a problem if you're playing four-player, because that's a very small percentage, but if you're playing solo that's a whole third of your deck so it'd be it'd be good to kind of get some balance with this the setup text it says everyone is you know having two of their heroes captured and you get extra resources to adjust for that as i said you got the threat level reduced to adjust for that um the hand size is a lot smaller but that's i think because of the cap how the capture deck is working it doesn't want to if you draw yeah. seven cards and you actually have a capture deck of like 40, seven cards out of your remaining 20 cards is quite a big amount. Yeah. I, I was much happier. And also just the fact that you're starting with only a single hero to pay for them. So, yeah. You know, if you did have a normal size hand, you could easily find it's like, great, I've got these cards. I can't pay for them. I've got loads of cards. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to play any more of them. But it's like, um, it's like scrying. You, you, if you've got seven cards in your hand, but you can only play one of them, it's better than having three cards in your hand that you can only play one of them. Yeah. True. So I think one quite important point about the capture mechanic that I missed for my first few playthroughs because I was playing on true solo, but then uh, when I've, I've played a couple of games two-handed, completely missed, is the capture keyword, so cards that enter play with capture one, they take the top card from your capture deck, and that's it. When you're on stage two and you're at a little stage all on your own, but when you move into stage three, which is kind of like the last part of the scenario where you've got a boss enemy to deal with and a boss location to deal with, um, you're all at the same single staging area at that point. And what capture actually does then, when a card with capture one reveals, it takes the top single card of everyone's capture deck. So it'll have... A number under them so uh, I think I realised it with reading the location tunnels of Mount Graham which has X threat and capture one where X is equal to the number yeah. of captured cards underneath it and you're thinking but how could this be anything other than one yeah ever? I thought oh maybe you'll get that you know those odd cards that make you add something extra throughout the scenario but isn't that's not too bad it'll be one threat or maybe two but yeah yeah that's very different yeah. In four-player, that's coming out at fourth threat. Exactly, yeah. I've, uh, I haven't played four-player, so I haven't bolstered up that rule <laughs> to such a massive degree, but I have definitely... It, yeah, I don't know whether I'm going to make a difference to the result, but I have played two-player and ignored that 
fact for the stage three that it should have had more cards under it. Yeah, that is my most hated card uh, in the game, which I will explain in in a bit when we get on to uh, play through stories. <laughs> Not in the whole of Lord of the Rings, but in this scenario. And how do you how do you tend to approach this scenario? Do you do you try and turtle in the first stage and you know see lots of locations and enemies so you can get your cards back, or are you are you just trying to do you tend to to rush it a bit more? I don't know if it's so much within my control. I think I think I'm happy. Yeah, if you've got a few a handful of allies and at least two of your heroes in play, you can finish the scenario. You don't have to have your entire rig set up, I don't think, to get to the end. Um, but at the same time, you do have a lot of threat to play with where you can stall a bit. So yeah, I've I've, I've definitely had rounds where I'm just like, I'm not going to quest because mm. like there's maybe one or two cards left under the um, under the stage. And I'm, I don't feel I'm ready to advance to stage three. So, like, yeah, I'm probably going to put my, my threat up by two or three. But it means, well, if it's uh, if it's something, if it's a prison cell, then I'm going to get a card as soon as I travel there. If it's an enemy, I'm going to be more, you know, have more resources to fight it. And I'd rather, yeah, just lose a couple of threat because well, I'm on sixteen. Who yeah, cares? Yeah. <laughs> um, versus, yeah, pushing through to stage three. And is it is it worth talking a bit about what happens when we get to stage three? Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, there there is a there's a rather jarring change of gear. Um, so you're going to do a few things uh, when you get to stage three. You're going to add Southern Gate and Jailer Gornak to the staging area. Um, Southern Gate is a unique location. It's got three threat, eight progress, mountain immune to player card effects. Uh, whilst it's the active location, each orc gets plus two attack. And forced, when it becomes the active location, each player with threat less than 35 must raise his threat to 35. So that's part of the reason you can often afford to play a bit fast and loose with threat in the first stage, because you're going to get to 35 when you get to this stage anyway. Um, Jayla Gornak, he is an enemy, he's an orc and a goblin. He's, he'll engage you at, at 44. He's got 3 threat, 5 attack, 3 defense, and 8 hit points. So significantly chunkier than anything we've seen so far. And a thoroughly disgusting effect. After one or more captured cards are rescued, Jailer Gornak engages the player with the highest threat and makes an immediate attack. Uh, immediate attack for 5 is no joke. So that 44 engagement cost in the scenario that you're probably playing around with... Uh... You're either under 20 or maybe you've gone to the uh, southern gate and you're now at 35. The 44 is irrelevant because he's just going to be engaging everyone based on that forced ability, really. Absolutely. Um, and then quest stage 3 itself, uh, it's got 16 progress. You cannot travel to the southern gate unless there's at least 16 progress on this stage. And you can't defeat it while the gate's in play. If you defeat the stage, you've escaped that grammar and win the game. Yeah. So, pro tip, kill the jailer. Then travel to the gate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think you, yeah, you, you want to get him out of the way as quickly as possible, and you definitely do not want him in play with that forced effect whilst the gate is active and he's suddenly got an attack of seven. And there's no reason. Well, okay, the only reason I can see for leaving the southern gate in the staging area to be a bad thing is that it's got three threat. Its abilities are triggering when it becomes the active location, so you can. 
I, th- I think most decks at that stage in the game, when they're getting, you know, in the end game on the third stage, they'll be able to deal with an additional three threat in the staging area until they're ready to travel there and have that th- probable threat increase and have that uh, attack bonus for all the enemies. Yeah. And it's worth saying a word about that Angmar Orc set that you shuffle in because Oof. those guys are no joke. Um, you've got the captain who has a th- three threat, five attack, two hit point, five defense. Um, and if he destroys an ally, you discard the top card of your deck. If it's an ally, he attacks again. Uh, you've got the Marauder, who's a 3-3-2 three, three, with four hit points. And after he destroys an ally, he goes back to the staging area. And you've got the Angmar Orc. He's, he's nice and small. He's just two threat, two attack, three defense, three hit points. Oh, but when, when revealed, either discard an ally from play or reveal another encounter. So he's a 2-2-3-3 two, two, three, three Orc with Surge unless you kill an ally so yeah those guys are big and they are gonna chew up your allies if you give them a chance that angmar orc is as you say like his stats make him the smallest guy in that set but he's he's bigger than all the other orcs you've been dealing with so far that scenario so yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah that's definitely yeah. something i'd highlighted that these orcs are yeah easily the worst enemies in this scenario i think i the jailer is pretty bad, but I, I feel like he's a predictable uh, factor. Whereas the orcs being revealed from the encounter deck, you're unable to predict when they're coming up, and they have such big, beefy stats that if, unless you are at full rig, can really, really damage you. And of course, there's the orc ambush side scheme, <sighs> which is in that set, which gives all orcs plus one threat, plus one attack, and plus one defense. And when revealed, you've all got to go and search uh, search for an orc and put it into play, engage with you. So yeah, with with a bit of bad timing, you can you can end up with Gornak being a uh, a six attack four defense, which is just disgusting. And yeah, is all of the other ones are are up to fours and sixes for their attack. It's... I mean, not just in this scenario, but yeah, because the Angmar orcs is a sub encounter set. That can be included in a number of scenarios, but uh, yeah, that orc ambush card has led to just so many instant sweeping and restarting of the game across all the different scenarios it's been included in. I just yeah, that yeah, there's probably more than one orc already on the board before you draw it. It can really, really just screw everything over. So, do you have any uh, individual? play stories you wanted to refer back to anything you want to share yeah i mean so yeah i tried this with a few um a few different decks and i i I definitely feel it's it's an interesting quest because i think if you just grab a random deck and run at it you can find yourself in serious difficulty even though it's a quest that's probably not that difficult like I, i think if you if you build for it it can be quite easy and if you don't, it can really trip you up. Um, I I was having a bit of fun last night. I've got a Grey Wonder Aragorn deck uh, that I've been using for, for our saga campaign. So we're doing a kind of super thematic saga where George is taking the Black Riders Hobbits and has, just has a deck that's just all the Hobbits, all the Hobbits, all the Hobbits. Uh, and my deck is just Aragorn and loads of attachments. <laughs> like I think the... The only cards in the deck that aren't attachments are 
um, three copies of Elven Light and possibly a Heed the Dream. And that's it. So did both those decks play this scenario or just the Aragorn deck? Uh, just the, oh, okay. just the yeah. Aragorn deck because I was playing it solo. Um, and I'm like, yeah, th- this is great. You know, I can I can use the ability on Grey Wanderer to fetch Strider. So from turn one, Aragorn's questing for four without exhausting. Um, there's you know you you've got some quite nice cards in the in the deck that hasn't been captured. So uh, Thorongil is a fun one because I'm I'm using leadership Aragorn, but it means you can bring in either tactics Aragorn to reduce the uh, the defense of the enemies. Or as I did in the one game, I drew Thorongil right near the end when I was all set up and I was uh, breezing through everything. So I travelled to the gate, raised my threat to 35, and then next round I attached Law Aragorn and reduced my threat back down to 12. <laughs> um, and yeah, then just kind of stacking him up with um, yeah, all, like all the Aragorn-specific attachments to give you the, the extra spheres and the extra... Um, extra stat boosts. Um, having Grey Wanderer means you've got your extra ready, you've got some healing, and you don't need a resource match once per round. And yeah, I played it twice. Um, the second game was insane. I think I finished with 21 attachments on Aragorn. <laughs> um, the first game was going really well. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a turn, maybe two turns away from winning. And then I drew Tunnels of Mount Graham as a shadow card. And the shadow ability is capture each attachment attached to the defending oh. character underneath the attacking oh. enemy so i went so i went from being like i'm four defense and i've got protector of lorien so i can just chuck cards to boost and then i can ready with my unexpected courage and then i can hit back for 12 and draw to draw a card off it from glamdring or whatever to ah oh, i just take that attack to the face and i can't ready i've got three enemies engaged with me I've got no boosts, no readying, and I died the next yeah, turn. Yeah, that, yeah, that's horrible. Um, so, uh, yeah, moral of the story is that that deck really needs a burning brand. <laughs> What's the answer? More attachments. Well, yep. specific attachments, yeah. I was going to say, that's. I think that's quite a small shadow effect to completely miss when you're maybe having a look through the scenario in advance and it's... If, if you're aware of that, yeah, you can address it and you can say, right, I really need to have some shadow cancellation in this deck but if it comes up and it's new information to you the first time you see it uh, yeah you, you're yeah. restarting the game well you're losing the game and then restarting the game <laughs> yeah because yeah i think every because the, 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 there's quite a few cards in here that just don't hurt that deck at all like you know any, any of the things about if you damage an ally or capture an ally um you know none of that does anything um there's the uh, the feeble and weary treachery, which is when revealed, each player deals a damage to each exhausted character he controls, or removes each character exhausted character he controls from the quest. And I'm like, great, I have one character and he's already ready. So uh, whichever of those I choose, it does neither. So yeah, it was only fair that that ability come along and completely catch me out because yeah, n- nothing else was uh, was stopping See, me. See, I've got feeble and weary set aside because I was going to ask. For this scenario, what's the treachery that you save your test of wills for? And my answer is feeble and weary because it's like it's like Necromancer's Reach, but I guess a bit of flexibility. Necromancer's Reach being from the core yeah. set that says deal one damage to all the exhausted characters, but uh, yeah, it's still horrible, and I, it's what I would save my test of wills for. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> 
I honestly don't think that, for, certainly for the decks I was running, the the treacheries are that bad. Um, I think I think maybe sand the alarm, which is that all the enemies get minus ten engagement cost and plus one attack. I think that could, I said, just because of how suddenly it can take you from I'm fighting no enemies this turn to I'm fighting all the enemies this turn and they all have attack boosts. Mm-hmm. And actually, as you're uh, as you're saying earlier, that strategy of your threat level is so low, you can quite easily afford to just not really commit to questing and take that threat increase from failing questing um i don't think i really thought through that strategy that much when i was playing and feeble and weary the second half of it says that you can choose to resolve the part that says remove each exhausted character from the quest so you could yeah that as that being quite a you know reasonable strategy just accept you can fail some questing in order to delay a bit that second half could be like okay well i've seen this treachery now i'll i'll have this be the round where i fail questing and stall a bit and it doesn't hurt you too much in this scenario because it's just threat increase yeah i mean if, if you look at the enemies that are in the mount Graham set you've got the dungeon guard who engages on a 16 but he is the most puny of the orcs he's one threat two attack one defense two hit point He's going to engage you on a 16. The others are 28 or 35? Lost at 36. 28 or 36. So, yeah, as long as you keep your threat at 27 or below, it's only the dungeon guard you've got to worry about. And honestly, he's uh, he, he's definitely one way you, like, you want to see the dungeon guard. He captures one, and as soon as you um, kill him, you can... Uh, Put one of the one of the cards you rescue into play for free. So, yeah, any anywhere up to twenty seven threat threats just a resource. Spend it. Do you imagine he's just a, a really uh, weak little orc who's very easy to intimidate? So you don't actually kill him; you just terrify him, and then he uh, just wants to help you so that you don't kill him, and he goes and frees your friends. That's the thematic resolution there. <laughs> yeah. That that seems seems legit. With his toothpick of a weapon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the art on him, always good to talk about art on a an audio podcast. But he's got a, and he looks fairly heavily armored. He's got a, a a shield that's got like a big spike in the middle of it, and a a decent sized spear. So he he doesn't look like he should be the the pushover that his stats make him out to be. <laughs> Don't have a thematic explanation, but I see what you mean. He looks a bit of a bulky. He's little, but looks bulky. Yeah. I think um, your spoiler-free advice talking about the contracts. Um, you've kind of explained how Grey Wanderer is a good contract in this scenario. You get all the benefits and the setup that are like to balance out only having one hero. Plus, you get all the benefits of the Grey Wanderer card itself. And. Uh, the uh, bond of friendship, is it called, where you have four heroes? Does that just yeah. do you take the penalties of the, the the contract says in order to include four heroes, and then you lose one of the heroes? Is that how that works? Or uh, well, so the the penalty for bond of hero uh, for bond of friendship is you have very specific deck building restrictions. So you have to have exactly ten cards from each sphere and exactly ten neutral yeah. cards. But you're then only going to have one sphere of hero, and then you know you rescue your second one, so you're up to two. But 
you're you're probably going to be in a point where there's just going to be like even trisphere is is yeah. a bit tricky with this because you can very easily find yourself where you're drawing loads of cards or rescuing loads of cards and you just can't play them because the only heroes who can pay for those cards are somewhere else in time. And you really you really need to get at least some setup going every turn in order to keep making momentum and if yeah if you if you get to a point where you can't capture any more stuff because you can't keep building your board that's that's the end of it really exactly well sorry rescue if you can't keep rescuing more captured cards i keep yeah getting that long way around <laughs> but yeah the third contract i just wanted to talk about for my previous play stories is uh, as you might guess perilous voyage this is one of the f- few scenarios actually where perilous voyage my deck that i now call wrecking ball because it's just what i bring when i want to win a scenario it actually didn't beat this scenario on my couple of attempts because that deck is get to 40 threat as quick as possible and then your deck is amazing because all your heroes don't ever have to exhaust um to, to to quest uh, but yeah, just you, if if you try and do that, you're racing to forty threat, and then you're trying to win the scenario. But there's lots of treacheries that raise your threat by three and stuff like that. So yeah, it's I attempted to do that, and then just threaded out as soon as very you know within a round or two after getting to forty threat, and then I attempted the other way of not racing to forty, and it was kind of like, well, what's the point? What am I? Why am I playing a perilous voyage deck? So yeah. I mean, I guess if you play a Perilous Voyage deck and half of it's captured, then what's left looks like a normal deck. Yes. Yeah, it was probably the biggest capture deck I've played with. <laughs> Remind me, is um, Perilous Voyage, does, does that mean you have to have a Highlander deck? No, no, there's no condition for... Okay. It's just increasing the it's deck's just, size. It's big, yeah. so you're less likely to see but, And you're getting the sure. extra card draw on payment of threat increase yeah yeah so that aspect is good you know in this is a scenario where pay a pay a threat draw a card is is a good option yeah yeah it's just uh the best part of that deck is when you get to 40 but you don't want to get to 40 unless you're finishing that round or the next round in this scenario i'd say because yeah. you can just get those turns where you raise your threat by three or four yeah yeah, and as it's it's doomed three, so even a when revealed isn't going to make it go away. Even a test of will is not going to make it go away because it's not part of the when revealed. So then, I see you've got one final note about a project that's actually you've mentioned a couple of times in the main podcast. Do you want to just cover that for this scenario as well, briefly? Yeah. So this this was um, it pains me to look back and see that this was two thousand and five, so seven <laughs> years ago when this scenario came out. Um, the, you know the the Lord of the Rings community has always had people who like stuff extra tough. You know there are there are maniacs out there, thanks to whom Nightmare Battle of Kandun exists. Um, and yeah, a lot of people said, "Oh, this this scenario is too easy. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's rubbish. Why was it printed? It's it's too easy. It's no fun." I think this scenario is good fun, and I think part of the reason it's fun is because it is, in some respects, on the easier side. But I was like, right. If you think it's that easy, then here's my challenge: beat it with Fatty Bolger as your starting <laughs> hero. Um, now, you know this, of course, is is many years before uh, before Alep's green Fatty Bolger. This is this is blue Fatty Bolger, uh, who 
for anyone who doesn't remember, because you know, it's not like you've been using the hero. <laughs> How uh, dare you? Fatty is a uh, Fatty is a spirit hobbit. Uh, he's got a, a threat cost of seven. He's got one willpower, one attack, two defense, three hit points. And as an action, you can exhaust him to choose an enemy in the staging area, raise your threat by that enemy's threat, and until the end of the, of the phase, that enemy does not contribute its willpower. Limit once per round, because, you know, that ability might be a bit broken if you overused <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, this the, the, this was the uh, the gauntlet I threw down of, yeah, if, if you think this quest is too easy, let's uh, let's see you beat it with a, uh, a one willpower, one attack hobbit. Uh, whose ability doesn't really do anything in the context of yeah, the scenario. Yeah, because if nobody else is questing, I was about to check that. There's, then... a, there's not something I'm missing there. He's his, his ability is as good as it is in any scenario. <laughs> yes, his ability is as bad as it is in any scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I still haven't had a go at that challenge myself. And of all the episodes where I try and back blue Fatty Bulger, I will admit that since the release of Green Fatty Bulger. I haven't played a single game with the blue counterpart, so yeah. <laughs> Do you still manage yeah. to win? Have you ever won with him, or have you not really tried that challenge yourself? Yeah, yeah, yep. So, um, so um, there's an article which we can uh, can link to in the uh, uh, yeah. in the show notes. But I've got a uh, got a deck list there. I put together a um, deck with Fatty and then Bilbo and Black Riders Pippin, uh, and I was able able to beat it with that now. Unlike my recent playthroughs, that was relying quite a bit on some of the some very powerful allies. So, um, like Arwen ally, um, quick beam ally again is you know, it's just really good for ratio of, of, of stats to cost to actions. Um, I was playing true solo, so Hennemoth River songs are good include, um, and then some of the bigger ones like Treebeard, Defender of the Nath, a bit more expensive and neutral. So doesn't matter too much which uh, what you call it yeah which which heroes you get back um, again because you know because you're always starting off with a single hero resourceful is quite a good card to chuck into this quest if you're if you're building a deck for it because you know even if your starting hero is Gandalf you're yeah. still starting in secrecy so yeah resourceful can be a be a good one to use there uh, so yeah there's a um, I couldn't remember, but looking at this, it says that I managed to beat the quest on two out of four attempts with that particular, uh, excuse me, particular deck. And yeah, the strategy was definitely st stall on stage two for as long as possible, get all of your your heroes, um, and then as soon as you advance to stage three, try and kill Jailer Gornak before he gets to trigger that ability. I think that's a decent win ratio, and well, I think that kind of brings us into the. Uh, final part of the episode the irrelevant and meaningless difficulty rating uh, so what's your thoughts on this from a rating from 1 to 5 stars so as as I've said a lot um, I, I think you know this it's always true to an extent but I think more than a lot of quests the difficulty of this quest really depends on, on whether you bring a deck for it yeah. um, or whether you just run into it with a random deck so with an asterisk of, you know, n know what you're walking into, uh, I would say this one's a two. You know, it it, it is on the easy side, um, but I think yeah, I think that's a good thing about it. It allows for some fun experimentation with decks. That is just about 
how do I combo into massive numbers? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 going to go with a two, but yeah, that comes with a slight asterisk of you can have a really powerful deck that isn't designed for this quest and fall flat on your face. I think with the difficulty rating, I try and. I try and think what scenario in the game could be a one star. Is it possible to have a scenario that's be one star? And then I think, well, I got to ignore passage through Mirkwood because that is obviously the easiest by far. But other than that, is there any that could be a one star? And maybe this kind of maybe could go in there, but I'm not confident enough to push it there. So I'm, I'm happy to stick with two as well. I think that's a good place to put it. Good stuff. That's uh, yeah, a uh, a verified. Two difficulty scenario. Yes. If we both agree, it must yes, be true. Yes, of course. <laughs> right then. Uh, thanks for listening to our ramblings about the Escape from Mount Graham scenario. If you want to get in touch with us any further, you can get in, uh, find us on Twitter at Card Cooperative. And we're on Facebook as well, the Card Game Cooperative. And there's a few other contact details that we'll include in the main episodes, but... Not in here. It's a quick outro. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for listening, everyone, and thanks for joining me, James. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.